0: What's going on everyone? Welcome to episode two of More Wrestling's podcast. I'm your host Dylan Morrison. On today's episode we're all in for a treat as I bring on division one head wrestling coach at Sacred Heart University, John Clark. Before I bring him on I'm going to take a few minutes to talk about the upcoming wrestling that's scheduled for this weekend. First let's head west to Buffalo as they are coming off a nice win last weekend 20 to 12 over Ohio University. This Sunday they're scheduled to take on Cleveland State down in Binghamton, there's no updated schedule on their site. I don't know if this is partly due to the fact that some of their opponents that they wrestled last year um, in the EIWA are Ivy League um, schools like Cornell, UPenn, um, Columbia. Some of those colleges that they competed against last year aren't wrestling this year. So, uh, And some of the conferences aren't allowing others to you know, wrestle outside of conference. So um, I'm not sure what Binghamton's schedule is gonna look like for this year, but I'll keep you updated on that. Next, let's head to West Point as Army is hosting Long Island University Saturday the 9th. Hofstra, is um, their scheduled match against Bucknell has been canceled. Again, Hofstra wrestled, was supposed to wrestle Lehigh last weekend as well. Uh, That match was canceled and it was, I believe it was due to uh, COVID related um, issues. So again, their match for Bucknell, against Bucknell has been canceled for this weekend as well. Now let's take a look at Spartan RTC Duel. that will be on Flow Wrestling Friday the 8th. Uh, if you have a Flow Wrestling account, I really highly suggest that you watch this duel. Um, their main card is full of studs. There's a lot of New York talent on it as well. Uh, first match at 57 kilograms, Vito Arujo out of Syosset. Uh He competes at Cornell University. He's part of the Spartan RTC. He will be taking on Mike, Michael Kolioko. Again, Kolioko, he's a he's a Penn RTC guy. Penn is not wrestling this year in the NCAA season. So this will be a fun match to watch. Uh, Vito's a top five in the country guy, both in college, and I would you know argue in the 57 kilogram for United States. Uh, next match, we have Gabe Dean. He's bumping up against Michael Machiavello out of the Wolfpack Wrestling Club. Gabe Dean was a two-time NCAA champ, three-time finalist for Cornell University. Um, he just announced that he's coming back and taking a run at the 2020, uh, actually 2020-21 uh, Olympics, excuse me. Uh, so that's going to be an exciting match. Uh, Machiavello did just uh, come off a win, nice win over Colin Moore at the RTC Cup, um, but Gabe Dean had an awesome match against David Taylor last month as well. Um Now at 65 kilograms, I'm really excited for this match. Uh, Yanni Diakamahalis, he was a hammer out of Hilton, New York. He's a two-time NCAA champ for Cornell. Still has two years of eligibility left. He is going to be taking on Anthony Ashnault out of the Scarlet Knight Wrestling Club. Um, Anthony Ashnault was an NCAA champ for Rutgers University. He just competed in the 150-pound flows uh, eight-man bracket where he took – Fourth place, I believe. Yeah, fourth place. So uh, Anthony's first match at the 150-pound eight-man bracket, he beat uh, Yanni's teammate at Spartan Combat, Evan Henderson, six to six. In the semifinals, Bajoran Punya of India beat Anthony National nine to zero. And for third and fourth place, Alec Pantelio of Cliff Keen Wrestling Club uh, won over Anthony National eight to one. Yanni won both of his NCAA titles at 141 pounds. Ashall won his NCAA title at 149 pounds. Um, Yanni was going to be bumping up to 149 um, at least it was rumored. Um, he's definitely growing into the size for 65 kilogram. And Anthony Ashnall coming down, he's kind of normally been at 70 kilograms. And uh, with Yanni having two wins over uh, James Green last month at the Flow RTC Cup, I don't think. He's going to have a problem with a guy that's been normally at 70 kilograms when he does compete on the freestyle circuit um, in Anthony Ashnault, Um, but stylistically, it's going to be a great match and I can't wait for it. So now let's take a look at the last match of the night where Kyle Dake will be taking on David McFadden. Uh, David McFadden was a three-time NCAA All-American, four-time qualifier for Virginia Tech, and Kyle Dake... Probably doesn't need a formal introduction, but he is a two-time world champion, four-time NCAA champion for Cornell Big Red, and a two-time New York State champion for for Lansing High School in Section 4. Uh, This match, I think, is going to be all Kyle Dake. His offense is great, and his defense is the best in the world. Um, I don't think McFadden will have any answers for him, but, I mean, props to McFadden. He's been in the streets this summer. He's been competing a few times. Um, he hasn't let COVID slow him down, and uh, you know he's stepping up against a pretty big opponent. So uh, you know I'm I'm ready for uh, this RTC duel. It's gonna be a great duel, and uh, I hope you tune in. That about covers it for the wrestling that's happening this weekend. I hope you tune in. Um, it's gonna be a great event. I'll cover it next weekend. And uh, now let's bring on our interview with John. Welcome back to More Wrestlings podcast. We are here now joined by John Clark the D1 wrestling coach at Sacred Heart University. Uh, thanks, Coach, for taking the time out of your day to jumping on the podcast. How's it going?
1: Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be on your show.
0: Yeah. Uh, like I mentioned last episode, it was my first episode, I mentioned uh, it will get better as, you know, the podcast go on and on. But uh, I said it was kind of like your mantra at Sacred Heart, you know, and what you use in life. All I ask for is improvement. So, uh, you know, hopefully they get better, but...
1: Yeah, no, you're you're doing a phenomenal job, and and thank you for um, being in great control of our my alma mater for my high school, and uh, we're we're certainly grateful for that, and all the things that you're doing inside New York wrestling and beyond is is amazing because what we all want is people that are passionate about wrestling, and between you and your family, you certainly have that.
0: Thank you. Yes, I appreciate that. Um, so talking about me coaching at Canton, uh, let's talk about your upbringing in Canton and your high school career there.
1: Sure. I, I love Canton. I, um, don't get back as much as I would like to, but have, um, just the utmost respect for the people in Canton and, um, not just, you know, you got to remember too, we were connected with several other, uh, school districts um to to merge as one wrestling team so it was can potsdam it was herman at one point and and so um jointly as a north country those people are so near and dear to me and um it was just awesome being in such a wonderful village and north country community that i cherish forever
0: yeah for sure i mean i mean i enjoy coaching there and uh you know there's definitely a special bond you know, in the North country with wrestling. And I mean, it might be a hockey town, but you know, we're trying to get it to to be a wrestling town little by little. Absolutely. Um, And we
1: appreciate that very much.
0: Yeah. It's a work in progress. Um, So, I mean, you have mentioned that obviously it is a hockey town and, and that there are four colleges, you know, in the North country, especially between the, I guess, technically Canton wrestling does cover Canton and Potsdam um, like how big would it be to have one of those colleges have um, a college wrestling team? I mean, we saw Elmira just started a, a men's and women's program. How, how big would it be for the North country and even the state for that matter to have a, a college that far North with wrestling?
1: Absolutely. And I think it's important for everyone to realize that at one point they all did have wrestling and not only did they have wrestling, it was very good wrestling. So it's something that wouldn't be unchartered territory Um, And I would love to see that as the sport of wrestling and in particular, the women's wrestling has grown at an incredible rate. Uh, Making a statement would be awesome to be able to see some of those programs uh, not only add wrestling back, but make it powerhouse like they have in the past. And I think if you go back and look at history, uh, it's amazing the amount of wrestlers that came um, or that competed at the college level. National champs, uh, all Americans, and we're not just talking about Saint Lawrence University, Potsdam, even in Canton and, and, and Clarkson as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I was in Potsdam. Uh, I don't know if it was at a fast food restaurant, but I had a wrestling shirt on, and there was a Potsdam, a former Potsdam State coach in there. So it's like obviously wrestling's a small world, but it was kind of cool to see a a former you know alum from that wrestled and coached in the North Country. But um, so. You obviously had a successful year or a uh, high school career. Uh, you were a two-time state champ winning section 10's first state title. Um, you know, our guys walk past the trophy case all the time. And, and uh, we see your picture with uh, you're holding up the X on your singlet. Uh, tell us how, how was that being the first state champ from section 10? Well, it, yeah, I might've
1: been the first one, but there were certainly a lot of people that paved the way and there were a lot of finalists. That don't really get the credit that they deserve um
0: yeah i agree
1: it, it it's phenomenal that really a lot of my heroes and role models growing up are the same people that might have finished just outside of being the champ and uh it's every one of ours uh we're, we're so happy on that day and raising that x was for the people of the past and and for people of the future and and you know the wonderful stats since i've won uh the the amount of people that have captured a state title not just at canton or you know beyond canton with uh all the governor wrestlers and messina it's it's like it's just amazing to see and i it, it goes with my philosophy like it always just takes that first person to break down that barrier and you whether it be the first person to ever break five minutes in the mile and then the first person to ever break four minutes in the mile and and for me um, that was just the right place at the right time. And with wonderful coaches and, and really the North country on my shoulders, there's, I, I say the North country on my shoulders. If, if you look closer at that picture, not, not on the gym um, wall, but in the trophy case, there's multiple um, coaches from section 10 that have their hands up in the air, just like I do, um, after I won and we all celebrated together, uh, on that night in 1998
0: yeah absolutely. I mean, I've watched the uh, YouTube video of that match and uh, several times and yeah, you can see Coach Williams, I believe from Augsburg, jumping up and down, yeah. uh, you know the governor coaches and I think another Augsburg coach, but yeah, it was a very special time i I bet but uh so you have won two state titles there and then you were recruited to Ohio State where uh, your brother Mitch won a national title. Um, tell us about your time at Ohio State and competing in the Big Ten.
1: Yeah, I loved it. I mean, I went from, you know, how the, how small um, the various towns are in the North country to literally the biggest school in the country. And it was certainly a transition, but it, it really helped to have my older brother there. And not only was he went to school there, he was also an assistant coach. And something that was remarkable that I don't think it's talked about enough is that I had the same four coaches for all five years. And I say five because I redshirted my first season and, and then did four. Right and now with all the turnover, it's phenomenal to, to think about the consistency they had as a staff and, and the loyalty they had to the program. So I was certainly really blessed not only to have my brother on staff, but to have the, you know, the same coaches and the same teammates as we basically, uh, Tried to make Ohio State a powerhouse, and and we didn't quite win a national championship, but we finished uh, third in the country as a team our senior year, which was pretty special.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, what was uh what was it like? I guess what would be one piece of advice you would give for somebody like yourself or others that are went from a small town like Canton to like you've mentioned in your book and on uh, other interviews to the biggest Ohio State University was the biggest university in the country at the time. Um, what was some of the, what would be some advice that you'd give to somebody taking that step? That's a great question. And,
1: and, you know, it's, there's so many ways that I could answer it, but the number one way is to, to challenge yourself to maybe go to a school that is, um, stretching the amount of ability that you have. I mean, I, I was worried that that first year and all the way to my fifth year of winning that wrestle off, and because it's so competitive there, not just at Ohio State, but throughout many schools across the country. And I'm, I'm a big believer of you adapt to where you go. Obviously, by going to the biggest school, you get a lot of the resources, you get a lot of the great coaching, teammates, facilities, you, the list goes on. And I don't think I so much accomplished as much as many people think I did. It was more of just taking advantage of the resources that were provided for me and I think when you decide to go to a school that, that extends yourself, whether it be academically or athletically or in the best world possible, you can you can have the both. Um, you, you end up, if you follow the, the right system and listen to the people around you, you have so much help there. And it's more of any individual com- accomplishment that I ever had was more just a reflection of me listening to my mentors and the people that were there for me because that's what they do. These huge athletic departments are made to produce champions and I never was a national champion, but I did the best I could and, and, and came up just short, but it was something that it was more a reflection of uh, the wonderful support help that I had around me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you, I mean, you mentioned you weren't a national champion, but you were a two-time NCAA division one, all American. That's pretty big in its own right. I mean, you took six in 2003, right? Fifth in 2004. Um, so in 2002, uh, it would have been your sophomore year, redshirt sophomore year, uh, the NCAAs were held right in Albany, New York. Um, what was it like to come back to New York State to wrestle? I mean, I'm sure you'd have a nice fan base with it being close to your uh, hometown and all.
1: Yeah, I mean, as you say that, there's just so many things that pop in my head. The, the, the first one, that's where Cale won his fourth yep. um, national title and the, the standing ovation that he received was longer than I've ever seen in any sport, um, and certainly in wrestling. So that will be something that I'll always remember. Um, that particular tournament was interesting because um, I was the eighth seed. I had um, a, a good Big Ten tournament, although I was winning in the Big Ten finals against Matt Lackey, who ended up winning a national title um, the next year. And it was the first time in my career that I was beating someone that I got scared to win. And I know that sounds silly, but that was, um, I don't know how to word it any other way than like, I was almost thought to myself, there's no way I should be beating this person. He was ranked number one in the country at the time. And so I ended up getting second in big tens and put me down to an eight seed. And sometimes that eight seed is, I mean, in the um, round of sixteen. I had uh, Robbie Waller, who was a national champion, and he was the ninth seed. And if I won, I would have had Pritz left. So it was kind of a, uh, a, a tough place to be put in the bracket. And, you know, the, the, if I wasn't scared to win, and I can elaborate that on, uh, more on that later because it's such a wonderful, teachable moment as an athlete and a coach. But it's something that, um, you know, put me in a position where I wasn't quite at the top and um, just finished shy of being an All-American and so that was bittersweet. I, I think sometimes when you talk about where locations of big tournaments are held, it is nice. And it's also something that I don't um, overthink as an athlete because you, you have such tunnel vision and it could be in Missouri or Oklahoma or Albany uh, during that weekend. The, you're just so dialed into trying to accomplish your goals and how tough it is that um, it was more after the fact. I look back, and almost every time I drive through Albany, because I basically have to every time I come home, I think about it and how special it was um, to basically wrestle on the same venue that the New York State tournament is held uh, as of recently. Anyway.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, for sure. I mean, looking back at that bracket, anyways, uh, it was kind of, or not the bracket itself, but the uh, wrestlers and All-Americans from that year. Um, it just kind of brought me back to the days that uh, Mitch had his boot camp up at Clarkson. I mean, he had guys like Tommy Rollins that was that were there, Steve Mako. Um, you've got Joe Heskett, Jesse Jansen. You had a lot of uh, a lot of those guys that wrestled back then that were there. And I mean, you don't you don't think of it, but I guess back then, me being you know elementary school wrestler back then, but um, now just thinking, you had all those high caliber guys, you know, up there at Clarkson and small town, New York state. And, uh, I think it was just, I think of it now as a pretty special time. Um, but you know, I guess you take it for granted. Um, but let's, uh, let's move on to your coaching career. So you left Ohio state, graduated there in 2004 and then you went to, or where'd you start off um, in your coaching career there?
1: Sure. I I basically have held every position that's possible. And, in college coaching. Uh my first position was the second assistant at Stanford. And then I was uh I was there for a year with Carrie McCoy, another New York native and a, a dear friend of mine. And then I went to Lehigh and I was the volunteer assistant coach. And then I was at Brown University for six years and then now being a head coach. So I I have elaborated on a couple of times on, on a A couple of other interviews, and it and it's just to be able to have the experiences of being a volunteer all the way up to head coach. You you just really appreciate what it takes to build a program, and I'm so thankful for all those opportunities because they've really allowed me to not lose sight of any detail. Because many of those small details were big details to me when I was a volunteer or second assistant.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, So I would say uh, like. I guess, what are some of the similarities and differences that like you, you might, um, you know, the style that you coach now to compare to, I guess, maybe, you know, 20 years ago when you were wrestling.
1: Sure. I I think a lot of coaches teach the way they wrestled and something that is natural. Um, I think as an athlete, we always think we know so much coming out of college and it was, um, eye-opening to see what a coach actually does and you know as a coach yourself you end up doing a lot of work that people really don't see you know they when someone asks me what I do for a living if I'm meeting them they say well, you know what do you do and I and I say well I'm a coach and and they say well what else do you do and it's like they have no idea um the amount of hours and 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 kind of CEO skills that you need to have to to build a program so I look back and I just um, marvel at the wonderful things that I've learned from other coaches. I, As I transitioned from just showing basically what I knew as an athlete, I, I have transitioned to basically showing what I've learned from other coaches. Now, that doesn't mean I'm neglecting anything I did as an athlete, but it's more of, oh, I saw Kale Sanderson do this, Tom Brands do that, or... Um, even coworkers or, you know what, even um, some of the the best things that I've learned are actually from the athletes that I coach. And it doesn't, I mentioned a couple big names there, but it's more, um, it can come from anyone. And so it's been wonderful to see a transition of me in the way that I've approached coaching. When I first started, I I was um, more coaching on things that kids were doing wrong And now I've transitioned into um, building people up in a way that um, highlighting the things they did right and some things that they could have done better. And the number one thing through all that is letting people know how fun wrestling is. And and we have the biggest roster in the country and we haven't had a kid quit all year during a, a tough time. And it's something that we try to make wrestling really fun. And we all know that wrestling's tough, but when someone's enjoying what they're doing some amazing results can happen.
0: Yeah, that's a great way to think of it. Um, You know, I'm going to probably have to take that approach going forward uh, because I never thought of it, I guess, that way. But, yeah, um, I like that. So uh, you're going in your fourth. Technically, this would be your fourth season, right? You started in 2017 as a head coach at Sacred Heart. Yep. Okay. So so obviously this last year, COVID hit and kind of put a halt on things. And you published a book, um, which your book is a pretty great read itself. I mentioned it earlier. Um, you know, so I enjoyed reading the part where you, you know, had a positive impact on your life from mentors, whether it was from high school all the way through college, you know, your mentors, your coaches, teachers. Um, tell me about, like, you, you, I guess you already explained earlier in the show about how your mentors kind of paved your way and helped you become who you are but you mentioned leaning on the Ohio state university coach, Tom Ryan for advice. And I'm actually reading his book chosen suffering right now. You both have similar characteristics and um, you know, personalities like as far as your outlook on life and your principles Um, you know, I, I thought like, since you guys are doing the same kind of thing at at sacred heart, like he's doing uh, at Ohio state and his successful program, you know, you're surrounding yourself with the right kind of people and mindsets and you know, that's, I can see your trajectory of your program going, you know, in the right direction kind of, cause you, you kind of live those same life and, you know, think the same as, as someone like him. So what's it like leaning on those kind of people in your life?
1: It's wonderful. I mean, you know, for him, for me to be able to lean on him when he wasn't even my college coach is phenomenal. That's how available he is. I, uh. If I called him right now, he, he would answer or at least call me right back. And and Rob Cole at Cornell is the same way. And even though he's in my conference, he's he's someone I look up to and and, and I ask questions to. And um, I think being available is a, is a wonderful quality. You know, some of these these are household names for a lot of people, at least in the wrestling world, and they're available. And as I am trying to build a program to be competitive with them, and, and, and it's something that is fabulous that we as a wrestling community can lean on each other to, for advice, and someone like Tom Ryan or Rob Cole to be able to pick up my call or answer an email is really just special because um, they don't owe that to me, and yet they are so willing to give back to wrestling, in particular myself, and I'm just forever grateful for uh, wonderful people like that.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, one of the things Coach Ryan said in his book um, said, we'll always be the sum total of the people who lifted us or weighed us down along the journey and the environments we chose, which, you know, brings us back to that. You know, we're in a, in a small wrestling world. We're always, you know, kind of looking out for each other. Wow. You you're, you mentioned Rob Cole and Tom Ryan. I kind of have been doing the same thing recently to some of these bigger, you know, Flow Wrestling and and a few of the other podcast names that are making it big in the the media world itself right now. So I see where you're coming from there. Um, so now you've mentioned it several times and if you mentioned in your book, um, about your, your commute to work, so you drive from Providence, Rhode Island to Fairfield, Connecticut. And how is that like?
1: Yeah, it's wonderful. I, I, I commute 122 miles each day, each way. And, um, It's been something that has been remarkable, even though it's something that a lot of people can't fathom doing themselves and let alone I'm going on my fourth year of doing it. Um, It's been wonderful to see um, basically how much I've embraced that because it's something that is um, four hours of driving without even doing an hour of work. And it's something that is really, really, um, been beneficial to my coaching. For example, um, we're running seven practices a week, right. Or a day right now, um, in preparation for our first competition this weekend. And, uh, we're, we're excited for that. We basically are running that many practices so that we don't have to cancel any of our competitions. And, um, during those rides to work, have been gold and reflection of the the day that was just completed and then in preparation for the next day. And in previous interviews, I've talked about how many guest speakers like some alone time um, before they deliver their speech or their talk um, in a particular setting. And the same applies um, for, for me as I, as I commute each day, it's something that You know, even if, no matter where your team stands in that present day, it's always something that, um, when you're, when your leader is positive and constructive, it, it really helps. And so I, I have that time to prepare, to get in the right mindset so that when I, when I walk into that office and I see those kids, I'm, I'm ready to go. And, uh, so in many ways, it's, it's just been the most wonderful thing to happen to me.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, like, uh, I kind of brought this up, you know, the other day, um, you know, if your, your car troubles ever uh, occurred, but Steve Mako's dad, it brings me to, uh, Steve Mako's dad. Remember the van he drove? Yeah. And he parked it up at Clarkson. And I, yeah. so I believe that was on, I was the season or, or something yeah. like that. And, uh, I actually, he, you know, invited my dad and myself out to the parking lot to check out the van where, you know it was yeah like a little cooler and a yeah. and uh i think a stovetop or something like that where they would cook lasagna and stuff like that you know that might be something you need to look into for the future just in case you know
1: yeah my, my wife says i should my next car should be an rv so that i can you know during lunch or something go out and make a meal or <laughs> or whatnot but uh yeah i mean it's you know we talk about you know it's funny you mentioned steve Mako, it's you know he was rivals with Tommy Rollins in college and here we are sharing meals and, and stories together at, up at Mitch's camp. And, and that's wrestling. I mean, that's yeah. the the beauty of our great sport is that um, wrestlers are just such humble people and such wonderful people because it's very tough to do what we do. And um, we don't get a lot of notoriety from it. And um, it's just nice to, when you mention that, I, I just think of uh traveling the country and 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 whether it be the commu- the commute or traveling to v- virginia beach for a high school wrestler to go compete it's it's something that when when you're doing that type of work and to put it in something it, it allows you to stay grounded and and always know that we we have no problem doing that as a sport and and certainly relating it back to my commute it's it's not something that i really look as a bothersome
0: yeah for sure Uh so, your commutes uh, there, and I guess I should mention that you tell me about your uh, women's program that is uh, you just kind of, I don't know if you sat down with your uh, AD, which happens to be Bobby Valentine, but um, how did you go about getting that women's program started?
1: Yeah, I mean, sometimes I have to pinch myself to, to realize the situation that I'm in. You know, we have bobby valentine who i mentioned a household name earlier with tom ryan and rob Well, bobby valentine's a household name well beyond um baseball and just in general i mean there's most people know who he is and that's my boss and obviously i'm seeing him every day and and he's doing a phenomenal job and one of the things that he has been supportive of is the women's program and i joke with bobby all the time i'm like you you love wrestling don't you And, uh, he's like, I've learned so much about it and I'm a big fan. And, um, we were just shy of getting a national qualifier this year. In fact, we had someone who was winning in the match to go and ended up not winning the match, but he, um, had plans to go out to Minnesota, Minneapolis this year. And obviously that didn't happen for anyone. But the reason why I'm saying that is that, um, you know, he was, he was someone who's completely committed. And now as we transition into the next phase and that's the women's wrestling, he's completely, uh, completely committed because he trusts me and he's educating himself about it. And, you know, we are growing a wonderful thing here. Um, it's the second division one program on the women's side. So that's awesome. And, And the amount of people Dylan that have reached out to me, it would blow your mind just because people want to be part of that and, and figure out how to do that themselves. And so when I have leadership that's gonna support me and, and and make that first step, we could potentially change um, wrestling and certainly women's wrestling because it's powerful what we're doing. It's, it's powerful because we're growing wrestling, but most importantly, we're growing wrestling to make it equal. And when we have our women's program, they will have an identical budget to our men's program. And that's powerful and that's fair, and that's what we want. We want equality.
0: Yeah, that's awesome to hear. That kind of led me into my next question about um, your women's program and your AD and all that other stuff uh, attached to it, and it kind of brings me to something else that I was going to say, which is going to be a guest that I'm having on later this week, and that's Elmira's uh, head coach, head wrestling coach for the men's program, Ian Clark. Um, So Elmira is just added a men's and women's team on the division three level. And I thought, you know, that's kind of a big, big thing. Like in New York's getting women's program, you kind of just pioneered that, you know, sacred heart pioneers, you you pioneered uh, the women's program and how that's going to lead to, I hope a lot of other division one programs to, uh, you know, join, join in and have a women's wrestling program. So, you know, I appreciate your effort on that to get the ball rolling. Uh, so now let's get into your, your upcoming season, you know, it's a short uh, season due to COVID, but you were traveling to Lexington, Virginia on the ninth to take on Virginia uh, Virginia Military Institute. How does it feel getting the season kicked off?
1: Well, I think it's something that we've been all waiting for for 10 months. And all along, I, I had a vision of continuing to have a season this year. And there's been plenty of people that didn't think it was going to happen. And and as a leader of the program, you want to be optimistic, but you also want to inform people of the state of where you know, if it's going to happen or not. And I would literally go in proportions of what my thoughts were with my boss on if we would have a season, you know, it could be 50-50 it could be 75 25 and all of a sudden it's 90 10 and then 100 you know as as time would progress and I think when you're lead the easy thing to say is oh yeah we're gonna have it and no there's no issues and all this stuff and you you have to be really careful of that because if it doesn't it can ruin your credibility and, and the respect that your student athletes have for you so to your best of your ability and, and I say that uh, reluctantly because it's it's something that you, you know, I don't think anyone knows for sure, at least in the beginning stages, as we were all quarantined. And um, But it, as a leader, it was something that I always had my eye on the prize. And I know how important the national tournament is. And we're certainly glad that we are progressing to that point. We have five duels this year and we have our EIWA conference tournament. And then hopefully we go to the great city of St. Louis uh, for the national tournament.
0: Awesome. Yeah. I mean, I'll take uh, you know, a shortened season over, you know, no season at all. Um, you, you mentioned not giving like false hope, I guess, or, or whatever, but as far as, you know, we're in the same boat, in New York, you know, it just gets, the date kept getting pushed back and back and back. And now I'm excited with division one duels, you know, against division one opponents happening this past weekend and, and the season starting to get the ball rolling, you know, it's it gives me something to do on the weekends and, you know, it gives me something to look forward to, even if, you know, NCAAs isn't going to allow fans, it's still giving these kids an opportunity to compete, you know, for something that they love and enjoy. So um, I'm grateful for that. Um, yeah, so um, now,
1: we have 250 people that are allowed to go to the match this weekend. So oh, really, that's yeah. that in itself is amazing. And, and um, you know, I hope that that can be something that is evaluated for every uh, place that's hosting a competition moving forward. Um, as long as it's done safely.
0: Right. For sure. Yeah. Cause I wasn't sure. I guess I should have asked that if, uh, what the uh, stand or the fans in the stands, how, how that was going to play out. I do, you know, some of the events that have been happening have been allowing fans, some not, you know, I didn't know if I had to make a cardboard cutout of myself and, you know, put it into uh, one of the arenas just to be there, you know, in spirit. Yeah. But, Yeah. So, uh, that's all I've got for you. Um, is there anything you would like to add before I let you go?
1: Sure. I, I would like to say that what you're doing is phenomenal. Um, and I think it's the next step for you in the sense of you, you've done such a remarkable job and, and, um, you, you have a wonderful story to tell and you, you're, you're showing, great signs of trying to build something no different than what I'm doing. And most importantly to me, you've been so supportive through every step because I've, like I said, I've been at the bottom and I've been at the top and you have to kind of work your way to, um, and, and I'm certainly not at the top, but I'm, I'm trying to do the best I can just like you are. And, and um, no matter what, though, I think it's important for your listeners to, to realize as any sort of accomplishment that I've had or our team's had is that you've been there to send me a message or, um, a text or a call. And, and, and I appreciate that a lot. And that's something that is really powerful because it it, it makes me motivated when I have people like you that are, that are sending me messages. And so, um, I think the broader message to everyone is support each other. And I've done, um, unofficially, but I've done a lot of, um, what you have been doing to even fellow competition in the last 10 months. You know, I've been calling coaches and just saying my people that I'll wrestle against this year, like you're an amazing coach. Like I just marvel at how you get your, your guys ready. And I just want to congratulate you on, uh, all your success. And, and I, uh, don't get me wrong. I want to beat you when we wrestle, but (laughs) Um, I think sometimes, especially at our level, it gets so cutthroat that we don't take the time to really acknowledge people for the wonderful work that they do. And so I'm thankful for you, Dylan, and and all the support that you've shown me and my family over the years. So I can't thank you enough for
0: that. Well, I appreciate your kind words, John. Um, You know, I'm I'm looking forward to supporting Sacred Heart Pioneers this uh, winter and hope to hear from you, you know, as the season ends. give us a little bit of more update on your women's program and how your season has gone, but I'll be sure to favorite retweet and share all of your, uh, you know, your success this winter.
1: Thank you so much. And uh, thank you again for
0: having me on your show. And that's all for episode two of more wrestling's podcast. Don't forget to go to Facebook to uh, follow sacred heart wrestling. It is at sacred heart university wrestling, their Instagram page, which is sacred heart wrestling. And their Twitter, which their handle is shu wrestling one. Um, John Clark is doing a great thing out there in Connecticut. He's got a great story, and uh, he's definitely got a great passion for the sport.